0: Good afternoon, Mark. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Good. And welcome, everybody, to episode 18 of the Connect2 podcast. My name is Jeff Cullen.
1: And I'm Mark Hughes.
0: And here we are again. We are. Who knew it would last this long?
1: (laughs) Yes, it's going good. Yeah. Excellent.
0: I haven't checked our numbers lately, but I, I see a consistent 10, 12, 15... Yeah, Downloads, it's It's, so, good. it's, it's, it's getting know, up there. I so. sense it's all about to take off. Though,
1: so <laughs> yes. Maybe this well, will today's be, topic. Maybe which this is, will
0: be the viral episode.
1: Well, today is all about succession planning. Exactly. Not to be confused with secession planning, which That's is right. all the Alberta Maverick part. Yeah,
0: it's not that kind of show.
1: No. <laughs> so, uh, and if you're uh, if you're new to our channel, um, and you like what we have to say, please uh, rate, review, and. Subscribe, and uh, that'll get us on your feed on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, and we're available on uh, all the big platforms, right? All Apple, the big platforms. iTunes, phones, uh, Spotify. Spotify,
1: the whole works. Good Google, stuff. Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts. What thing. about
0: Stitcher? Are we on Stitcher?
1: Uh, I think so. so we're okay. on like nine or ten. Of we're all. everywhere, man. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> That's
0: our our slow it's plan soft. to to take for world domination.
1: It's not for lack of availability.
0: That's right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But there's, you know, there's so many podcasts out there, but.
1: Exactly. Well, it's just the demand for everybody's time. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your time with us today. That's right. We appreciate it. So today, um, what are the two things you learned this past week?
0: Whew, why don't you start? Because I gotta give it some thought here. <laughs> well, I've learned, I've learned so many things.
1: Well, I learned about the James Webb Telescope. Oh yeah. The so James Webb Telescope is uh, is a um, it's an infrared telescope that's being launched. Um it was already supposed to have been launched actually it was supposed to be launched in 2007 and um but it is scheduled for launch right Sorry, now. 2007? 2007. It was originally so it's uh, a bit late. contemplated a while ago. Well I think the original budget was 500 million and they're right pushing 10 billion. <laughs> and uh but it is a joint wow. venture between uh, the European sta- Space Agency, NASA and the Canadian Space Agency. Okay. And uh but it, it it's very cool because it uh, it's essentially, it's quite different from the Hubble. Right. Um, the Hubble rotates around Earth. And the James Webb is just, and, and does primarily visible spectrum. Okay. Um, the James Webb telescope named after the second NASA administrator in like this. Oh yeah. In the 60s, um, uh, only does infrared. So it doesn't, and in order to do infrared, it has to be away from infrared light sources sure so the two biggest infrared light sources near us is earth yes pretty big hot space yep and the sun even bigger so they're actually this is the second thing i learned today was it there are five lagrange points which are locations in earth's orbit yeah where you can stick around without actually so you actually orbit the sun rather than earth but there's kind of like this this push and pull so there's really? uh, one that is in between earth and the sun that's the like l1 okay point one there's one that is behind the earth so on the far side okay. of the earth from the okay. sun and then there's two that are one that is directly opposite earth in its orbit and then the the, uh, the last two are kind of at 90 degrees like, they split it. So, it's like Interesting. the four points of the... Four quadrants of the right. circle. But the one near Earth, there's actually two of them. One closer to the Sun and one further away from the Earth. So, this thing will be... It will be sitting in the great Stationary. Point, stationary. Relative to Earth, hidden, but... Hidden behind, kind of behind the Earth. Right. And it's far. So, the, uh, the Hubble telescope is like 355 kilometers above the surface of the Earth. Right. The... Uh, the uh, the James Webb will be 1.5 million kilometers away <sighs> behind wow us. so it's far holy smokes and, and uh, it got it's been delayed a few times most recently they have like these solar shields that they have right. to put it so that the 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 telescope looks away from the sun. Sure. And then the uh it's like a big the, pair of sunglasses. Well, but these these shields kind of so it hides behind these shields. Okay. But they're the the, the thickness it's it's like this aluminum sheet on a polymer that is the thickness of a human hair. And wow. so they were trying to deploy it earlier this year and it tore. And they can't have it tearing when they're out there. So they had to fix that. <laughs> Apparently they fixed that. And now there's. Oh,
0: I can like imagine a bunch of NASA engineers trying to get this thing and then rip. And somebody, of course, lets it go.
1: The yeah. expletives fly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: oh, bite it, bite it, it. It's
1: like ripping, right. it, ripping a, a lady, ripping her pantyhose. And yeah, go. exactly. No
0: Except a little bit more expensive.
1: Wow. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: That's awesome. Well, what else did you learn? Uh,
1: well, that was the that was two of the main things. Okay. I, the other thing I'm dealing with is uh, is um, winterizing my camper. Ooh. So uh, my camper, um, I'm getting it winterized next week. Originally, we planned to take it with us to BC over the weekend. It yep. um, looks like we're not going to take it with us. Okay. Um, in the end. Are because, you still going? Though? Yeah, we're still going. Okay. We have accommodation and nice. stuff booked. But it's just more of a case that... Um, that we we don't actually we won't need it right um but the nice thing about the truck camper is because it's uh i've got these solar panels mm. um I, I just leave the furnace on oh so the cool. furnace is on and it uh it just keeps um keeps the keeps the heat above freezing nice. so then i can stay there and
0: yeah yeah we're taking ours out this weekend for going to jasper oh, and nice. then uh we're going to winterize it and we have a place that we put it in so indoors, like inside a Quonset hut. So, oh, wow, yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, some farm guy and makes a few bucks. So, it's good. Yeah, that's really good. What did I learn? I, you know, I didn't really learn anything, but okay. I learned about new two subjects that I think I need to learn more about. Okay. Uh, one was this non fungible token business, <laughs> which is, uh, so I just saw an article by, uh, not Dan, not Don Tapscott, but his son. I think his name's Adam or something. And, of course, Top Scott's been writing on technology. Uh, and I just shared it with my class today. And it's just about how, again, this is going to be, has the potential to be this massively disruptive technology <laughs> that's going to completely change how we, you know, deal with information and, and access media. and And so I read the article twice, and I was still like, I didn't get much of that. So just the realization that here's yet again something else that could potentially impact you know business and and how we do things a real game changer these these
1: non-fungible tokens i just find it really weird so you get the right to call something yours even though you have no right to it
0: well that's why i'm saying it's complicated so one of the examples they had in this article was that somebody has created these art prints Mm -hmm. and people have been given both a a physical copy and and the non-fungible token at the end of the year they have to decide which one they want to keep because the other will be destroyed oh, so okay. if you want to keep the the physical print then they'll destroy the token and if you decide to go to the token they'll destroy. It. but you can only have one and it's just like what a weird thing
1: it right? is it is <laughs> no it is definitely pretty so weird. like
0: kind of like quantum mechanics it's hard to get your head around it <laughs> you got to try to understand it
1: more like schrodinger's and
0: then the other thing i learned about is again just the some of the or i learned and i don't know enough about the complexities of of like what's happening like uh in the background of websites so i'm working with a client that's putting together a new website oh yeah and he he was dealing with a fellow out of ottawa who kind of manages all of that back end stuff and Mm -hmm. we all know about google analytics but there's been a whole bunch of stuff built on top of that now and and graphical software that shows you in real time entry point like so you can map out your website and then it will show you in real time what percentage of people are coming in from different sources and then their path through your um through your website and and give you like uh demographic data on all of the people and all in real time and i was like this is cool but i know very little about it so
1: yeah it's been um i mean i have several websites and uh i mean i'd use uh, squarespace who does not sponsor us Uh, (laughs) but they're good anyways but they're 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 quite good and uh it It really is uh, fascinating to see those entry points and exit points. And there's just so much more information out there. I mean, it's kind of like, I I just went through uh, part of the course that I'm taking with this advanced creative camp with Adobe. They went through uh, YouTube analytics. Okay. So there's advanced analytics and you can see... All, you can see how long people are on there. Sure. When they're on there, you can see the effect of titles and title cards because, and you can affect them separately. Right. Um. There's there's all there's things called tags when you ha- upload a YouTube video, mm-hmm. and those tags are pretty much useless. They're a legacy thing. They, <laughs> okay. You not Nobody uses. So them. don't
0: waste time on tags. No. It,
1: it, it, they use much more sophisticated algorithms sure. for finding stuff, so you don't yeah. need to tag stuff. Uh, although they they leave it there so people feel better, but really
0: <laughs> that's like the hashtags in your in your in your tweets. Exactly. Is it really really giving you something? I don't know. Well, well in
1: uh, uh, I don't know about tweets, because I, I, I don't think you can follow hashtags and tweets. You might be able, you might be able yeah, to. Yeah,
0: you can search a hashtag search and then a, a whole bunch of tweets. Will...
1: But in Instagram, with those ha- with hash- hashtags, yeah, you can actually follow them so when they come up so if you're following so like uh you know i do a lot of pet photography so like dogs of instagram is a pretty popular (laughs) one so you you know you follow follow that tag sure and anybody who posts against that tag it'll show up in your feed yeah well not everybody because they don't it's not you don't get to see everything you just get to see (laughs) a lot of it so Anyway, hey, let's get on to our main topic, Main which is topic: succession planning, succession which you planning. spent a lot of time on the last little bit. I have to... spent
0: a lot of time. and um,
1: Super important.
0: Well, it's important. And I think from a historical point of view, so I, I did a lot of succession work years ago, eight, nine, 10 years ago. A lot of it was through the through the bank that I used to be on the, the consulting roster for. And in the interim years, then I did a lot of what we would call value creation. But they were sort of seen as separate practice areas. Right. What I'm excited about is this new um, way of looking at it. And I just got certified through this American-based uh, association called uh, Exit Planning Institute. And uh, they're, they're trying to establish, kind of like the project management people did 6, 45 years ago, exit planning as its own kind of uh, discipline, if you will, right. and being multidisciplinary. And the whole idea here is uh, a much more of a holistic approach. And, and trying to, because part of the problem when you do it 11th hour is... Which kinda, is when most people... Which is that. when most people... You kind of get what you get, right? It's like, yeah. it's too late to... It's like if you decided to sell your house under duress uh, at the last minute, and then you just put on the market, and your realtor's like, geez, it would have been great if you had, you know, redone the kitchen, fixed the bathrooms, you know, uh, did some landscaping. You know, we, we might have got 30 more percent price you know than what you're getting but you didn't so boom this is what the market will bear
1: yeah i think uh, i think the analogy would be uh like along those lines is is but it's more not you, you sold it under duress as much as um like we in our neighborhood we've had people who will put their cards in and say if you're right i love this neighborhood if you're interested sure. in selling call me and i know somebody who actually did call that person and they actually ended up selling their house. Cool. Um, we get those too. Yeah. But, uh, so, so that's a way for you to try and if you like a neighborhood to try and find a house, right. um, it's, uh, but, uh, but the, you're, you're dealing with an offer. So with a lot of businesses, when they're selling, somebody comes to them and say, Hey, we're interested. Yep. Um, and I have to say that when I was, you know, I own my own business that, uh, was a little bit bigger of a going concern than Marcus Photography. Right. Right. Um, I would regularly get somebody saying that there was somebody with an offer. Yeah. And I had been approached several times with quasi real offers. Sure. And even had, um, and in the end we, we, uh, we did merge, um, and that was a more appealing offer to me than, than the outright sale. Yeah, But, um, that was pretty freak, pretty, it happened quite a bit. And now there were all the guys calling me. I'm pretty sure most of them were not real. They didn't really have a buyer. They were looking for something that somebody might buy. Um, but, um, but we also did have people who were actually interested in buying.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, so just throw some stats. Um, so it turns out like 50%. Roughly of business owners will wind up selling, not because they have an opportunity, but because of some unexpected um, condition. We call it the five D's. Okay. So, death, hmm. disease, yep. divorce, <laughs> distress, and disinterest. Oh, okay. So, few people plan for these things. And it's like one in two at some point is going to have. You know uh, a condition that will arise that is either going to force them to sell or will make it really like desirable and so uh, so i'm just getting into some of these stats i'm looking at the canadian
1: um is it is it same in canada
0: yeah it's pretty much the same in canada Uh, a lot of the stuff holds uh like the bdc's done a bunch of research there's been a lot of research done in the states and the numbers seem to be holding pretty steady a couple of other interesting stats uh 80 of businesses that get put on the market don't actually sell
1: really or don't 80,
0: sell 80%, 80% don't sell or don't sell for what the owner wanted. Right. Why well, because think a lot
1: of owners have pretty unrealistic yeah. expectations,
0: unrealistic expectations. And then so the Bob other Bob at,
1: at the club got 6 million for his business. So that's right. I should be able to get like at least eight.
0: So misunderstanding of the actual value, right. misunderstanding of the process, uh, turns out like 75 and this is uh pwc so price waterhouse did a big study on this uh 2016 u.s based. but i'm sure it would be the same 75 percent of owners who did sell uh regretted selling a year after selling really yeah and for two particular reasons that were Mm -hmm. the most more than two but the two most common reasons uh didn't get the money didn't get enough money right, to to substantiate their lifestyle and, and so miscalculated or didn't know how much they would actually need to live and that's part of the process that I've been learning with this program is you. it's this holistic approach You're like that that should be the first question. What do you want to do when you sell the business and how much money are you going to need?
1: How long are you going to have to stick around?
0: And then the other thing was not having had a plan uh, for what they were going to do with themselves <laughs> or not having a specific plan. So a bunch of these people who, you know, 20, 30, maybe 40 years they've been running their business and we've both business biz, been business owners, you know, it becomes a big part of your identity and oh, there's yeah. perks associated with it. Yes. And then suddenly They're gone. they don't give any thought to this and they wind up like out of the game. And, uh, you know, maybe that first couple of months, it's exciting and Hey, I could be home with the wife or with the grandkids and I'm playing golf every day, but like a big number of them finally wake up one day and go, what the hell am I going to do with, you know, the rest of my life?
1: Well, I think that's a big part of even just, just retiring in general.
0: Exactly.
1: I mean, for me as an engineer for most of my life, um, all of a sudden, uh, when I retired from engineering and right, everybody says, so what do you do? Um, I'm a photographer. <laughs> now, At least you
0: haven't. Have n't resulted to resorted to hanging out at McDonald's every morning. No, and, and having yeah. a coffee
1: with some other old farts. Right. Yeah. So, but so but the, th- the other thing is, I'm relatively young. That's right. To have retired, and um, a lot of my uh, my contemporaries, they haven't retired. So, and a lot of them work way too long.
0: Well, exactly. So, but even even those people, you know, like so one of the adages is a hundred percent of owners are going to leave their business, right. you know? So they do these surveys and it's <laughs> like, Oh, 75% or 60% plan to leave in the next 10 years. Right. But the reality is ultimately a hundred percent.
1: Well, kind of like, are going to leave. It's kind of like right? death. Everybody is exactly. going to die. There, you, 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 we don't get out of this well, any other way.
0: That's probably the number one cause of having to leave. <laughs> <is> ultimately. <laughs> um, and so you can get out ahead of it. Right. And so part of that one of the adages of this program or this approach is they call it they they call it the three-legged stool. And it's exactly that. It's personal, financial, and the business side. Um, and it turns out that many, many business owners very much neglect that that personal side. They have no like other than the vague idea, you know, well, oh, I think maybe I'll fish. It's like, well, you can't fish every day of the year, right? You need to have some purpose of what's it going to be? Are you going to buy another business? Are you going to become sit on boards or you, you got to figure out what you're going to do?
1: Well, and if you have a hobby and you want to make it into Even a, that, a business, yeah, exactly. it's a big change from having your thing. That's a hobby that you enjoy doing. You do it at your own leisurely rate to something like, Oh, I've got to actually make this go and pay right. its bills and all that kind well, of it's funny is like
0: one of the founders of, of EPI when we were doing the course kept talking about that. It's like if I have a client that says they want a little house in Colorado, and that's a certain financial requirement, right? right. If they say I want to buy a baseball team, whoa, that's a whole different calculus, right? And of- so so there's that part of it. What are you gonna do with your life? There's their financial plan, which is all elements of estate planning and insurance planning and, and you know uh, tax planning. Because one of the things, and again, I think we've seen this, People wind up, even if they sell for a reasonable amount at the end of the day when it's all been, all the fees are paid. If you haven't structured your personal finances correctly, then the tax man comes along and takes, you know, a third of what you had. And suddenly it's like, whoops, right? And it's too late. You've sold the business, you've been taxed. So there's that element of it. And then there's the business side, which is what, how do you make your business attractive? And yeah, there's ways to value it. That are kind of out of a catalog, if you will, but the reality is when you look at it from a buyer's perspective and uh, the the analogy we'll use is let's say you saw a really nice uh, classic car you know in in auto trader, right, and they want four hundred grand for it. and you may think well i've I know from Blue Book that that it's a reasonable number, right? But when you actually went to look at the car, and if you're a sophisticated buyer, you start looking at it and you're looking at the mechanics of it and you open the hood and whoop, there's no engine in this thing, right? It's like, well, this is not a $400,000 car as is. It's no engine in it. So maybe right. it's a 250, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's part of what happens is, is like you say, their buddies tell them at the club, oh, I should be able to get 5 million. But depending on what kind of buyer comes in and looks at it from the their perspective, including, by the way, what happens when you're gone? You know, what's the business worth with you out of it? Because if you have all the contacts, all of the relationships, if, if you know you're, if you're everything's the in your head,
1: yeah, if you're the rainmaker. And
0: I buy it. Um, you know, maybe a third or maybe more of the value goes away with you. So I'm going to price it in in terms of what it'll be worth when you're gone. Not not what it's worth today, right? Well,
1: and then there's also always the way that the companies that are buying it structure it, right? Usually what they do is they say, okay, we'll pay you out over three years. Yeah. And um, we'll pay you the, the profits over three years. Because a lot of time the value is a mathematical relationship to your profitability. So, right. so sometimes it's the equivalent of three years' net profits. And uh, so then they say, okay, well, here you go. We'll pay you six million dollars, uh, assuming that you make two million dollars of profit per year. It will pay out over three years. But if you don't hit that profit mark, yeah, you're gonna get a penalty. There's a so write soon. down if the yeah, working capital yeah, 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 yeah. isn't quite as you disclosed? Absolutely, there'll be a, there'll be a, a change. That working capital was. Was quite for me it was quite a contentious issue even though i was this was a merger and not an acquisition yep we, they still were wanting to push hard on the working capital thing and um uh, i don't know it's uh it, it's it's quite fascinating the complexity i mean the valuation like just a mathematical business valuation you can get a reasonable range like there's lots of evaluators that will do that and come up with a yeah. reasonable range. Well, there's
0: different types of valuation as well, right? Yeah. There's a valuation uh, that you would use in court and then there's valuation that you would use if you're selling to a competitor, right? right that maybe sees strategic value. And enters the valuation that you'd get if you're selling to your employees or, or giving it to family, right? Exactly. So, so even though you get a valuation, the first question should be, well, what was the purpose of this? Because the number is not. There's no m- one magic. There's number. There's
1: no one magic number, exactly. but there is a reasonable range. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, so and then you know that it's going to fall in that range, but it, it's much more. Yeah, but how many people? That range is more mechanical than true. than than people realize.
0: But it? I think. Like a lot of things in life, if, if you have a range and you're selling in your (laughs) mind, you're like, it's worth top. And if you're buying, you're like, it's worth bottom. Right. So it's that, where is it really fitting? Um, so it's, I'm very excited about, uh, and I think something you said when we were talking earlier is about when you were looking at selling your business, like who do you talk to? Who do you talk to?
1: How do you figure out this whole process? So a little
0: plug here, basecamp4.ca, uh, happy to have that conversation and, and just to start talking about that stuff. And, and really it should be talked about. And I think the number one thing at the end of the day is uh, it's a, it's a question of control. So you have people who have been the person in control for all the time they've owned their business. and I think a lot of them feel once this process starts, then they start to lose control, right? So it's a question of how much, the more prepared you are, the more control you're going to have, through the process and not wind up like you say there's an offer and then suddenly it's it's entangled with all of these uh encumbrances and you're like oh i feel like i'm kind of out of control here right um yeah and the last thing you want to do is sell your business and then get dragged back into it like a year later because you haven't met
1: you haven't met your performance and
0: yeah, you got to come back. You got to come so, back.
1: You got to stay. Exploring. Anyways,
0: more on this, but it's uh, it's a fascinating area. Mm-hmm. And with the baby boom, like the, the 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 sheer number of people who are going to be exiting, and it a lot of the studies were like twenty seventeen, and it was like over the next five years. But of course, we've had a big economic downturn, and now COVID. Yeah. Uh, so many of those people have not exited. Although uh, a study by um, KPMG just came out in 2020, said one third of the owners that they surveyed had wished that they'd sold their business beforehand, beforehand, but didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And now we're wondering
1: if they can do it. What
0: am I going to do? Right?
1: Well, so, I mean, I think, yeah. and I suspect it'll make a glut too, because then there'll be a bunch of people that, that want to rush out because they've all of a sudden come up to the realization, there is too much stress in terms of dealing with this. What if we get hit by another pandemic or right. whatever? I, I don't want the to. The big do...
0: resignation, right? Some industries yeah. are looking at 30, 40 people, um, 30, 40% of their staff not wanting to come back. Just and... because they've
1: realized that they hated their job. But,
0: but they are. Kind of, <laughs> but a lot of owners are stuck, though, because historically they don't save, you know, like it's like most of us, a big chunk of our our net worth is in our home. Right. For most business owners, a big chunk of the net worth in is their in business. the business. Yeah. And so a lot of people don't have that that luxury of just, well, I'll just shut it down, you know? They may think they do, but when they look at that number we talked about at the beginning, which is the old what do you need to sell this for to to finance that lifestyle you've been enjoying, um, I think it can be pretty eye-opening cuz they realize I don't have the luxury of just selling this for pennies on a dollar. Like well, I, need, I need to maximize Well, I, uh, I remember I get out of this. We thing. were
1: looking at, uh, we were looking at buying a company, uh, in a different geographic area. And, um, it was basically the one man show. Um, I mean, he had about 10 people working for him, but he so tightly controlled everything. And uh, there was nobody, no employee that would basically be able to go in and fill his boots. So it was all about him. He was right. the rainmaker. Yep. He was the big revenue generator. And he extracted enormous amounts of money out of this thing. So um, so the company was reason- was profitable. Sure. But all of those profits went basically straight into his pocket. Right and he was not keeping any any retained uh, value in the, in the company. Yeah. So the real the real dilemma became like this company has no no value yeah. because if we buy it from this guy the amount that we would pay him is the amount he's already taking home every year. So we would say okay we'll take we'll buy this company from you. We'll pay you out. The value is uh, I don't know, whatever it was like, uh, maybe it was $1 million yeah, spread over three years. Sure, But at the rate he was taking money out, he was taking $1 million right. out every three years. So there's, it would be like he was giving it away. And that's because the rest of his company had no value. So, um, so, and with him gone, It was pretty unlikely that the company would actually even be able to maintain the the level. So he's better off just keeping it. And when he's done, just be done. Because, uh, so we could not find a way to mathematically make an offer to him. So it was worthwhile to him. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he would never have, like he just thought somebody would give him millions of dollars for this company (laughs) that has no value.
0: That's not... Untypical, right?
1: Yeah. So uh, I mean, it was an interesting company. It would have been a great yeah. fit for the the niche it was in and right. the market and the whole thing. But but with him, it all been centered on him. And he was not like he was. He had had some health issues, sure. and all of, of a sudden, he was willing to One talk five about D's, it. One right? of the five Ds? Yeah. And uh, so he was willing to 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 consider an exit strategy, but he had. Like he's so screwed himself up.
0: Exactly. Well, and that's the idea of this, this process, which is part of its education. Cause I mean, look, a lot of people don't know. I've been a consultant for a lot of years, 20 years now. And, and a lot of this is new ideas, amazingly. So probably because there's such a demand that, yeah, it's this realization of, okay, it's, it's, you need a different mindset yeah. and as people are, they call them lifestyle
1: companies, right? Which- Oh, where where the- they're, Well, were you're extracting
0: most of the value. Right. And not lifestyle in the way that we think, like being an influencer, like I'm on the beach every day, but <laughs> but the business predominantly funds the owner's lifestyle. Right. Um, Which is great if you, and if you're extracting that money, let's say for 25 years and building, you know, a huge- a nest egg outside of the business, then you're going to be okay. But a lot of them don't, right? It's it's the toys and the lifestyle and the travel and they just keep taking half a million, million dollars a year out of the company and then realize at 60 that they want to retire or maybe they have to. And there is no more million dollars a year. So And it's all know,
1: tied up with them. Well,
0: where's it going to come from? Well, I saw right? this
1: YouTuber. I think I may have mentioned this to you uh, previously, but this YouTuber and she was kind of this travel travel youtuber and um so, so it was all about her and right. photography and and she uh she was traveling and, and then when the pandemic hit she kind of stopped and she was in I- iceland and she decided that oh i think i'm going to stop being youtube i'm just going to give my courses uh-huh. and do these courses uh through my own platform and all that stuff that uh that are that were all fed in through their her, her youtube personality sure and i'm going like whoa i mean from i'm from the outside i'm going like you you've got this uh, sales funnel where right basically you're getting people in through youtube and your brand if you stop traveling yeah um if you stop producing these videos and these videos enable you to travel which enable you to do the videos it's kind of this it's a yeah. vicious cycle and it's- then that feeds your other stuff um, you're you're not just going to be able to take the other stuff because that will just wither, right? Yep. And um, so she changed her mind. <laughs> Was this because of a comment you put on her YouTube page? No, don't no. do it. No, nobody's going to listen to you.
0: <laughs> so anyhow, it's uh, it's fascinating stuff. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think we're going to hear a lot more about this as people start to hit this wall of, uh, hey, yeah, I I need you know to sell my business and uh, hello. Yeah,
1: right? exactly.
0: Um, uh, come on, come a in. I'd like 5 million for it. I think
1: we should do another, yeah. uh, we'll do another, uh, another episode, another podcast on, uh, on this topic again, maybe we'll, we'll maybe what we can do is pick, uh, pick different segments yeah, within it and certainly. go through it. Cause I think it's That's fascinating. And, yeah. uh, um, I, I, I had limited exposure, but I had some exposure, obviously, to it.
0: Well, you've lived through
1: it, right? I've lived At through least, it. Uh, uh, I, the- I learned in the school of hard knocks, whereas you've <laughs> actually learned that there's five Ds, whereas I would have just, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of media are you consuming? You
0: know what? I, I got two things that are related. I found a new podcast. You know I love the, the, the uh, supernatural yeah. stuff, right? So I found a new podcast called uh, uh, Campfire, and it's like 16-year-old podcast Okay, Uh, And, uh, hosted by a guy who runs two or three different supernatural podcasts. And then it's just, it's good stuff. So these are actual, rather than reading the stories, he actually has people phone in and, and tell their stories Okay, and it's, you know, it's always a different theme, but out of that came a book on a phenomenon that apparently is really, really common. And I, they actually have given it a name, which is uh, jot, which stands for, uh, just another of those things. And it's the phenom- So I got this book. I bought it on like uh Apple uh like iBooks. You yeah, know, yeah. Eight bucks, right? But this woman who was a bit of a uh um not a psychic, but like a, a paranormal researcher yeah. realized that there were so many people that have experienced a weird disappearance of something. Have you ever been experienced that where you you you're sure it could be anything, a set of keys Uh, you name it, you know, and it was right on the counter. You turn around and it's gone.
1: Oh, I experience that all the time. Usually involves (laughs) cupcakes in our fridge, but mostly it's because my son (laughs) has taken them. Well, there's
0: innumerable people
1: for whom. (laughs) He's like a ghost. uh, He comes in and it's gone.
0: Well, so the book is called Jot and it's about this phenomenon. Actually, we had, uh, the kids and I had something that happened like that. Both two items in our home. One was a cartridge for one of these, uh, Kid uh, uh, video game, you know, like for really young kids, like these educational, yep. and it, they have came kind of little cartridges, and we'd lost this cartridge, it was just couldn't find it, and the other was an oar off off of a Playmobil ship. These things just, and I'm a bit anal when it comes to toys, and I'd noticed this thing was missing, and was quite upset and gone. Right, like a year later, within about a week, these two things turned up in a corner like beside a piece of furniture and it's just like there's no way that that's been sitting there for a year like impossible right because we looked for it and we vacuumed and and it just turns up and apparently this happens to like thousands of people and enough that they've given it a name so I'm, i'm quite enjoying this this book uh the first part is all stories and then apparently she's gonna at the end of the book provide her theories so i'm uh I haven't got to the theories part yet but it's just a fascinating because it's happened to me you know where um, paulette my wife lost a wedding ring years ago one morning we woke up and the wedding ring and was gone and we blamed the cat it didn't make sense and we looked everywhere and it was just gone you know and you have no explanation so apparently this is very common oh interesting John, yeah okay. well
1: i'll tell you what, what about you um well i saw a free guy Oh yes, so on it's Disney on, Plus. It's on Disney Plus, uh I was surprised that it was available. I watched it with my so son were we, yeah. and I watched it again with with my wife again. I really enjoyed it. And I watched some of the um <laughs> I watched some of the stuff after. It's really quite interesting. Apparently, uh Ryan Reynolds who's the the main actor in this he uh there's a couple of really cool things uh, related to Free Guys. So, okay. So this is the first time they've actually uh, done like a face replacement for an actual character that is interacting with someone else. So, oh, really? So there's there's this this character that shows up, and you will have seen it on any of the previews or. Dumb trailers, guy,
0: I think they call him right. Um,
1: that uh, dude. He's called. Dude, right? He's called the dude. The dude, right? And uh, he's a you know, and he stands there and he goes. I'm ready. Catchphrase. Yes, and they had an because he's not his he's code not, not hasn't finished. been completely finished. Yeah, <laughs> it was hysterical. Uh, but uh, that was the first time they've actually tried it with. So they've done it before, like where they've replaced a face, but usually with a static camera, so the camera doesn't move, oh. and the actor moves, and you can do a replacement, but. But in this case, they wanted the character to interact with Ryan Reynolds, right,
0: which he does a lot. So,
1: so, uh, so they and they used like they had moving car cameras
0: right so and there's right, right, right. um
1: there's other ways they can do it with moving cameras where they track it but they decided they weren't going to do it so it's really difficult and uh to do it and they did it it was incredibly effective like it uh i, I mean it, so so it's ryan reynolds face with some fake teeth yes put on this uh and massive they- guy well, here's the the other catch. They needed to get somebody who was significantly bigger than Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds is six foot two and really fit. Yeah. Like he is a big guy already. I mean, he looks slim, but he right. is very fit. And uh, so the dude, it, the guy is like 300 pounds and six foot seven. He's <laughs> They needed it. So they couldn't find a stuntman or like, so this guy's like a uh, um, uh, world wrestling guy right so the, you know it's like you know catchphrase
0: <laughs> yeah no it was it was really fun we
1: anyway it. it was really good i enjoyed yeah, it and I, the second thing was uh well i want i've watched the third in the foundation series oh it's, right it's really yeah, good. It started I'm,
0: we haven't we I'm, haven't done I'm, that yet.
1: it's uh it's got an unusual pacing but it's it's gorgeous right um so I, i'm not sure where that's going and i watched so i'm watching too much stuff i also watched the uh, so by the time this comes out, the final episode of What If will have come out. But oh, the, but the yes. one from the last week was really good. Wow. Like it's a two-parter. And uh, have you watched it? Did you watch the most recent one? Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's uh, yeah. I won't give We're, anything away. We saw
0: the one with, with the Watcher and Ultron.
1: Yeah, so that's the okay. That's the second to last one. and, okay. and there's and only
0: one more. There's only one oh, more. I thought there was more to it.
1: Yeah, and it uh, all ties in. Well, you saw as the series progressed, the Watcher got more and more engaged. It, it, and exactly. then there was the one with Doctor Strange, where he starts talking to that's right. Doctor Strange, not just yep. as a Watcher. Um, yeah, and apparently it's super important in terms of how it ties in with the multiverse of madness. Yes, and, so.
0: and, and the new Spider-Man movie, Yeah, which also
1: introduces that. So, there you go. So Marvel's
0: um, at it again. And yeah. The Eternals is coming out in November. It is. And I don't know how that ties in. but uh,
1: I don't either. But- I,
0: yeah, I was really skeptical until I saw Shang-Chi. And again, I'm like, okay, they've done, again, a job of just creating something unique and tying it into the bigger picture. So, I would... I'm expecting the Eternals to be, uh, good, like to fit into the overall narrative somehow and add to it. So,
1: um, good. I'm not going to, uh, uh, I, I, we've also been watching only murders in this building. Uh,
0: oh, okay.
1: It's actually fascinating. Really? Yeah. I've only watched, uh, two episodes of it. It was really good, but, um, uh, but I'm sure by next week we'll have. We'll for- <laughs> what platform is that one on? Uh, that is on Apple. Oh yeah. Apple okay. plus. So, um, anyway, uh, we should wrap it up. We're, yeah. we're running a little bit long. Uh-oh. Um, but next week, uh, hopefully if everything goes well, we'll have our first guest.
0: Yes. Talking about, no, it'll be two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. We'll be we'll, ready. We'll next
0: tape week. next week. We'll tape then, next week. So what are we, so what's your t- theme going to be then?
1: Uh, oh, my theme was going to be, uh, mental health.
0: Ah, whew, very timely. Yes. Yes. Good. That might be the breakthrough one.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Lots of people struggling. Anyway. Right on. So uh, have a great week. You too. Take care. All right. Bye. Goodbye.